Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, everybody, to a Super Bowl Sunday edition of the Hammer and Rails podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. And I'm Casey Bartley. And Casey is a little down there because we are coming off uh, two games that we're going to recap for you tonight. Uh, the drubbing by Michigan in Ann Arbor, 58-82, to uh, and then a squeaker of a victory over Maryland, 62-61. to We're going to cover those, uh, then take a break and look ahead to Northwestern, which is coming up on Wednesday the 16th at 9 p.m. So, uh, Casey, we're probably going to mix in both of these games, the Michigan and Maryland game, because there were a lot of similarities between the two. Uh, and what we saw out of Purdue, but what the hell went wrong? Everything? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that at a high level, that sounds right. But I mean, only scoring 58 points against Michigan. I know it's on the road. I know Michigan is kind of coming into their own. But what was our offense doing? Look, everyone can complain and say that 20 year old kids shouldn't get tired, and whether they should, whether it should be that bad or not. I don't think there's any way you can watch those last two games after watching us all season and not think something was physically and mentally up with the entire squad. Yeah, well, and, and you notice the people who always say, like, 20-year-olds don't get tired right. are people who were never athletes at a high level. I mean, you know, I, I can't pretend to have been a college athlete, but even in high school, running cross-country, you know, if you have three meets in a week, you're exhausted, and on that third meet, you just do what you have to do to survive. So... It, these these college athletes are putting in a little more exertion than the average Joe when they go and play pickup. You know, it it takes a little longer to recover because their bodies are working a lot harder. Yeah, there's not a kid, there's not a basketball player in the country that plays a game for 20 minutes that doesn't, you know, have five to ten bruises to show for every game. That every part of their body is sore after a game. It's just, I it's been grueling mentally. It's grueling. They have not been home for a day, like. The last time they were home without a game the very next day, which means they were practicing and preparing for a team, it's closing in on like three weeks. Yeah, and plus the travel troubles that they had. 
um, you know, after the Minnesota game, had to stay in Indy for a night, came back late, and then, you know, granted they came home for a game against Michigan, uh, and then had another one against Illinois, but those are two, you know, difficult games against pretty good ball clubs, so it's not like they could relax and take their foot off the gas. They had to try to go 100% uh, just day after day. Yeah, it's exhausting. It's grueling. You don't get to catch your breath at all. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, we're not adding we're not adding counters to our offense when we have one day to prepare for a team. There is a lot of things that you would like to work on between certain games, things you see that alarms you. Uh, you know, obviously we had some struggles after that Michigan game. It's not like we had a bunch of time to prep for Maryland. And I'm sure that Friday, Painter's probably telling him, you know, take it a little easy. Uh, let's get a little bit of rest. But we have problems. We're not a good defensive team. No. And for two straight days, we weren't a good offensive team. Uh, do Is that a symptom of something larger? Or is it more of a case that, you know, just two games where we need to burn the tape and just kind of forget about? Yeah, and I think I think that's the big question. You know, is this a symptom of something that we're going to see creep up as the season rolls on and then as we head into March? Because if that's the case, this team could be prepared, you know, for an early exit in March, which obviously is, you know, not what we want. But if you can chalk this up to an aberration, a loss due to crazy scheduling and just such a strange string of games and circumstances, then you then you learn from it. You're amazed that they got out of these two games one and one. And you move on. Like you said, you burn the tape, you go to the next thing. But there was there were a lot of problems in these two games. And Purdue was lucky to get out with one victory. Yeah. Uh, the Michigan game, you can you could completely wipe away, especially if they would have came back and responded against Maryland, who was just an inferior team. Whatever you want to say about Michigan, they're not an inferior opponent. Oh, no. I they, mean, they've got talent. They just haven't put it together. Right. There is a big difference between that and what Maryland is putting out without their best score. So th- that's the part you have to struggle with, because there are things that we saw in both of those games that have been issues all season. And it's just kind of exasperated by these last couple games. Our pick and roll defense is garbage. Our communication on defense is not good. We don't know what the hell we're doing, when and how to double. Yeah, we, we seem to double in strange situations, and there's almost always an opponent wide open in the corner for a three. And you can do that. You can be aggressive, but it's got to be all five. When one person doubles, it's not two people playing defense. Right. The other, three have, the other three yeah. have to know what the hell is going on. And they do not at all. There's not a single guard on our roster right now, besides Ethan Morton, to be honest, that plays on a string that sees, oh, we're doubling over here. I've got to be ready to jump out to the next closest shooter because that's how defense works. That's how rotations work because the ball's going to find the closest guy and you have to anticipate that. And that is what our defense does not do in any capacity right now. Anticipate Mason yeah. Gillis is running out there with his head cut off half the time. It seems like our guards are lazy and in the paint for no reason doubling down. We triple team in the paint and that's the one spot where our big guys should just hold court. Right. Yeah. I've noticed that a lot these last couple of games and I, and you look at the rest of, of the team and like you said they're they're kind of standing around a bit on defense and they're not understanding the situation like if you truly are going to double team or triple team in the paint which like you said you would think Williams and Edie would be able to hold their own uh the other players in the team have to know where they're needed uh, because they're in a disadvantage as there's you know four other offensive players and they're either two or three defenders so you need to go to the places where the ball is going to go like you said and they're just not doing it 
at all. And that's the most concerning part because when we were in the off season and Painter was talking about bringing everyone in, excited to have the other people, excited to get the players in, and from day one, he was working on defensive communication, this exact kind of stuff, because we weren't that great with it last year. And this was his number one priority in the offseason from day one. He said that he got into it earlier than he normally does. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that conversation. And we are 25 games into the season, and it's 20, getting 26, 26, actually. And it's getting worse. That's concerning, because that's effort and attention to detail. And the other end, though, our defense had been better. So is this just a tired thing? That's the hard thing to figure out. Is this just a mental, physically fatigued? You don't have the switch. You're not going to be able to cover up for that half a moment of lapse that you might have because you're not studied up on this team as well. It hurts to move compared to how it normally does. Right. All these things, like if you've played competitive basketball, even the, the same eight to nine guys can be completely different on different nights. And sometimes you just, no one has it. And that feels like what we've seen for the last two games. It's concerning. It's absolutely concerning because there is real weaknesses on this team. But I think you still kind of have to hold your breath and just be like, we're 22 and four. We have two more as easy as it gets games in the Big Ten. We have a chance to get right. And if you believed in this team two weeks ago, a week, a, a week span of games where we played three of them and went or almost four of them in a week is what it feels yeah. like. Yeah. And we go three and one with beating Michigan and Illinois. That's not the end of the world. No, and I mean the way Purdue played in the second half of that Illinois game. That is what we think we can be as a team. You know, that is what we think this Purdue team can do. But yet, when you you have the high of that Illinois game, and then you you follow it up with a twenty four point loss uh, to Michigan, where the offense only musters fifty eight points, which we've talked about it throughout the you know the basketball season if this defense from purdue is not going to be able to stop people the offense has to carry the load and the offense had carried the load for the vast majority of the season i mean we had the most efficient offense the number one ranked offense based on almost every metric you looked at i mean they showed a they showed a stat on the screen today where purdue was number one in the big 10 in every offensive category and was number one in the ncaa in at least one um, but in these last two games, in the loss at Michigan, Purdue scored 58. In the win at home against Maryland, they scored 62. So that is an average of 60 points a game, and that is not going to cut it when your defense is playing as poorly as Purdue's. Absolutely not, and we're seeing – we didn't see Michigan and Maryland do this that differently. Maryland didn't go zone heavy as Michigan did, but they did the same – they had the same defensive principles. When Purdue runs their stuff and their guards are running through all those big men and up at the perimeter when they're setting screens, they're just switching and playing ahead of the offensive player. They're cutting off that pass. They're switching and not allowing their guys to get behind them. And we've seen that stall out the offense at this point, combined with our big guys haven't been as good inside. Um, right, yeah. ED, 10 points on nine shots. 5-9 is good. He had 11 rebounds. It's hard to fault him for what he's done, but it seems like we are... I mean, he had four assists today. That's Him and Trey both had four assists because Maryland was just doubling everything. It seems like we haven't... And this is something that you want to see installed, but you haven't had time to install anything. We haven't countered with something on offense that takes advantage of double and triple teams. Because for a while, we were seeing teams just play as one-on-one in the post. Right, and we were just demolishing them. And now they're doubling hard, but in places and... 
they're doing that while switching everywhere else to try to cut down on the chaos. So we need a counter to that. We need to get our big men good looks again. And we need to start just making open shots. Like, yeah, see, a lot of it is just making open shots that we normally make. Yeah, and this is what blows my mind. So talking about the Michigan game, which w- again was at Michigan, so you can you know it's a it's a harder game than anything when we played them at home. We understand that. Um, once the game was tied 24-24, Ethan Morton hit that three to tie the game. Purdue took 34 shots in the last 32 minutes that were remaining in that game. They miss miss 22 of their last 34 shots. Yeah, nothing was so, easy. Just yeah, that we are not we are not countering new defensive schemes very well right now. It's it's I mean it's maddening to watch. Um, so I mean again we don't know if this is going to be a problem long term for this Purdue team. We don't know if there's something that teams are now going to exploit uh, that they've seen in our offense, or if this is it's literally just a blip because they've played so many hard games in such a short time, and we won't really know that. I mean they do have a nice little break. Um, for they them. Have, well, yeah. For them, they have don't have another game till the 16th, and then not till the 20th, and then not till the 26th. Those five so, days off are going to be huge. Yeah. So there's only three games in the next 13 days. Uh, so that is going to be great for this team to allow them to maybe not only get their bodies right, but get their minds right as well. Because as as tough as it is physically to play this many games in this short amount of time, it's got to be emotionally draining and mentally draining as well because you've got to be up and ready to go continuously, and that takes it out of you. Yeah, it does, and these two games have been such aberrations compared to the rest of the year. I It really is, can they respond going forward because uh, these games just don't make sense. No, no. So, yeah, it's the- we can talk about them all we want, but I think we've all lived in those two games, and if I'm Coach Painter, I'm like, those happened. We got through it one-on-one, one-on-one. Let's look forward. Let's be better the next day. Yeah. And, I mean, lucky lucky for Purdue, um, Wisconsin lost the game at uh, at home against Rutgers. So now they have four losses. So we're still just half a game back uh, from Illinois uh, in the Big Ten standings. But I want to talk about the end of the game today against Maryland <laughs> no. uh, because no. it, was, it was wild. I refuse. So Purdue uh, and – and Maryland tied at this point. Ivy takes the ball down, makes a layup, gets fouled, has the ability to put Purdue up three, which of course much better than being up two. Uh, makes the free throw. Do you agree or disagree with Painter's choice to foul up three? Because not course, there. Not at eight what, seconds. Yeah. Well, here's it's... my here's here's my the remainder of my point because of course Painter was burned on this in the NCAA tournament. Um, which caused them to ultimately lose the game. Right. Um, but I, yeah, I also thought fouling, and it was 8.1 seconds left. I thought it was a little early. Um, That's not on Painter. That that is no, no. on our players. You have to be freaking smarter. Like he wasn't. He was driven. He was driving in to hand the ball off. Yeah. 30 feet from the basket. If he's gonna quick rush a three pointer, I will take that a hundred times out of a hundred. You don't foul him when they're not in jeopardy. And Hunter just screwed that play up. Just screwed it up. That was not. That is not an advantage to give them eight seconds. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of time because then, you know, they they went to the line. They made both free throws. So then they're only down one. Purdue has to inbound the ball, and then of course all hell breaks loose. So uh, from my understanding of it, 
you know, is a dead ball possession. Purdue has the ability to run the baseline, and that includes, of course, being able to send a second person uh, out of bounds, pass the ball to them, and then, you know, be able to get the ball in bounds. Purdue executed it perfectly, got the ball in bounds, and then something happened. The ref stopped the stopped the game and then suddenly there was a there was a confab at the at the um, monitor and there's 7.8 seconds left and Purdue has to run it again the even clock, though even even the, though there was a foul called by one official the clock operator started the clock as soon as Sasha threw the ball to Hunter who was still in the inbounds part right so it shouldn't have started then the ball got quickly thrown in and for some reason because the clock stopped, they started when it shouldn't have. They continued the play and then called it dead, which gives Purdue a disadvantage to inbound because that makes sense. Right. Yeah. So in essence, because it was a, a dead ball whistle, they went and apparently you have to take some time off the clock in that circumstance. That's what and makes the, no sense. And apparently the least amount of time you can take off is 0.3. Right. So they took off 0.3 seconds. So then there's 7.8 left. Uh Barosky, I believe, was the ref at this point, and apparently told Painter and I believe it was Sasha the one throwing the ball in. Yes, and told him, you know, you got this is your spot, you can't move. Uh, and you know, they the refs always do the you know symbol like they point when they hand on the ball to let them know that they cannot move. Uh, Sasha either did not hear him, did not understand him, or did not know the situation and chose to run on the baseline, which is traveling. Uh, turned the ball over, gave it to Maryland, therefore no time had run off the clock. Maryland had the ball now, yeah. 7.8 seconds left, uh, passed the ball in, got it right underneath, and thanks to some pretty great defense from both Gillis uh, and Trevion Williams, were able to knock the ball away, uh, get a rebound, and then because of the confusion and the scrum, no foul was called. Purdue was able to walk away with a one-point victory. But my goodness, it was almost catastrophic. Yeah, it was, honestly, it was just... Minor league stuff. Just terrible all around. Clock operator screwed up. Refs made it worse. And then I, you, after everything that happened in those final seven seconds, if you would have called that foul, because he lost oh, the I ball. Know. He lost the ball right yes. away. And I saw Maryland fans whining on the internet. He didn't uh, have the ball. Maryland's coach. Include, yeah. Just, Danny, Bush I can't believe lead. that. Just I, He's going to get fined, right? I mean, absolutely. So in case you don't know, the Maryland coach, Danny Manning, tweeted a like three picture collage of what happened like once Maryland got the ball claiming that there was a should have been a foul called either on Gillis or Trevon Williams I'm not sure who he thinks the foul should have been on and basically you know was bitching about the officials uh and then tweeted again the same image like quote tweeted himself and said we still would have had to make the free throws though but like Whiny. if you criticize officials like that you are going to get fined by the Big Ten I I can't imagine there's not going to be some sort of punishment yeah that's that's building a culture the same way like bacteria builds a culture. Yeah, not not great. No. Um, so, I mean, here, here's Painter's explanation. He said this in the press conference, and I'm just going to read it verbatim, his quote. I said to the officials, are we redoing this play? And he apparently was told yes. So that, And then he says, quote, so that was my error because that's a vague question of mine. The time was different, but in the process of everything, I'm not locked into the time. I'm locked into executing what we're supposed to do in press offense. That was my error at the time. The officials said it to our player. Hey, you have a spot. And when he says that, that should have registered. But it is also my job to get that clarified before. And then he finished with, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot going on there. But long story short, there was a 
terrible communication problem. Purdue couldn't get it done, but ultimately there was no harm, no foul because the the same result, 62-61, but my God, Here, Here's what I, my one final point for this is just, if you're a ref and you're part of screwing this up this badly, you have a longer conversation with Coach Painter and let him address right. – uh, let him address the players when you've screwed this up royally. No one knows what's happening. No one on the court does. Because what? What? You're just taking a random point three off, even though it's a dead ball that right. never happened. You yeah. better make sure the coaches can explain that on both sides to every player on the floor. Yeah, and if you watch the replay of when they called the turnover, uh, the traveling on Purdue, if you watch the Maryland bench, None of them have any damn idea nope. what's going on. None. Like they had called a turnover. They'd pointed, you know, Maryland ball and the Maryland bench is just sitting there like they're not reacting. They're not cheering, they're not jumping up and down. So it was clear to no one on that court what was going on. Yep. And that is on the officials. You are exa- exactly right. In a circumstance like that, one point game, 7.8 seconds left. You've got to be able to tell both coaches and the players, hey, here's what happened. Here's what we called. We're resetting. However, you cannot run the sideline. Right. You have to stay. And there was just so much confusion that it was a screw up by everybody. Ultimately, like I said, it didn't end up mattering, but it was oh so close to costing Purdue a game. Yeah, let's move on and never discuss either of those two games again. I, I agree. All right. So uh, not as many uh, discussions of stats or anything like that, but I mean, you know, we just wanted to talk about what is going on with this Purdue team right now and, and if it's going to be a problem going long term or if it's just an aberration we hope it's an aberration so we're going to take a break uh come back and talk about purdue's next game with his, which is going to be the return game against northwestern going to northwestern this time so we'll be right back with you and we are back uh casey and i took a break there to watch the halftime show casey what'd you think awesome we are being pandered to now at the halftime show we're old and i love it yeah it feels weird i saw somebody tweet Oh, thank goodness that uh, they they brought somebody young like Dre and Snoop, not pandering to the old people <laughs> like like with the Rolling Stones. And then they said, "Oh no, <laughs> yeah." So they're into club still hits harder than just about anything. Yeah, yeah, it's you know it's still a good song. So there we go. Now we're back. We're gonna look ahead. Purdue's next game uh, coming up, like I said, gonna be Wednesday, February sixteenth. Uh, yet another nine p.m. tip. Uh, oh, we're getting is a it? lot. Yeah, getting a lot of those for Purdue lately. Uh, this one is on the road in Evanston. You'll recall these two teams met uh, back on January twenty-third. Purdue was without Jaden Ivy that day. Uh, Purdue still was able to win by twenty, eighty to sixty. Uh, so. Has anything changed for this Northwestern team? Nope. I didn't think so. Uh, They're winners of three of their last four, though. Uh, They beat Rutgers, something Purdue could not do. Uh, They beat that. Granted, that was a home game for them. Went to Nebraska and won, but everybody beats Nebraska. Uh, And then they beat IU 59 to 51. Uh, Casey, why should that not worry me? Because there were five IU players gone for breaking curfew, it sounds like. Yeah, that. I'm not sure I buy that personally, but that's what they're saying. Maybe it was a late night reefer party. Yes. Uh, but yes. So uh, Indiana suspended five players, five players who, who play. These were not just five bench warmers and walk ons. So uh, Indiana can only. Yeah, I mean, one of them was Christian Lander, and I think he's an All American, if I, I remember yeah, offseason IU talk. Yeah. 
uh, IU could only muster 51 points in that game. Uh, Northwestern was able to win 59-51. Uh, and then in their most recent game, they went to Illinois, uh, were not able to pull it out, put out a pretty good fight, though, lost 73-66. Um, so that was their uh, most recent game. Now, of course, Purdue heading to Northwestern, a place that's always difficult to play because it is like a mausoleum in there. Um, I've not been since they, they did all what those renovations. It's very quiet. It's just – it's an odd place. Small. Well, yeah, but also not a great crowd ever, I think, in that arena. Yeah, it's like a high school gym. Like, it looks exactly like a high school gym. Last time I was there, it was right before the, the rebuild, so maybe it's better now, but it, yeah. it actually was pretty raucous that day. Cause it, it really? Was, it was – I believe it was the season Northwestern made made the tournament. Made the tournament. So, so does that does that mean Julie Louis Dreyfus was there when you were there? Uh, that I did not see, but because um, her son her son was on the team then. Oh, that's strange. I missed that. Um, no, but uh, pardon the interruption. Michael Wilbon was. Oh yes, famously I walked into him. Famously a Northwestern graduate. Shockingly gigantic dude. Very uh, you, tall. Really. Very I guess, you tall. know you never see him. Like yeah, he's, he's standing like, up, he's always sitting behind a desk. He's like six four and hulking. Like he's oh, big. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Northwestern gets a lot of love in the media because half of the sports media went to Northwestern. Uh, they got a really great um, media and sports media uh, situation there in their college. So you see a lot of the guys. Terrible media setup. It <laughs> yeah, was well, like folding tables with no light. Like I couldn't read paper. Yeah, so I'll tell you the one the one time I've been to a game at Northwestern, uh, we took again it was a bunch of paint crew folks. We went and it was just dark as hell where we were sitting. I mean there were no lights above us. It felt like and we were just watching and we're like, why is it so dark in here? Uh, it, it was a very strange situation. I, I've never been to arena an arena quite like that. Yeah, it's it wasn't good. You had to go to a whole different building to get to the media room stuff. I'm sure it's a little better now because they put a bunch of money into it, but it's just an old building for a sport that, like, clearly the school didn't care that much about and still continues to yeah, I was gonna have say, good reason not to. They still don't care that much yeah. about it. So Northwestern, of course, famously has only been to one NCAA tournament uh, in their history, which is, you know, as a Big Ten team, it's just a bizarre thing to say. Yeah. Um, better Collins, yeah. Phil or Doug? Uh, Phil, definitely, because he did the Tarzan soundtrack. Uh, and if you haven't, that was the tiebreaker. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't listened to the Tarzan soundtrack lately, that thing uh, is 100% no skips. Is this what your uh, kids watching? Oh no, lately? no, no. Uh, oh, we're not up he, to that yet. No, what he is watching is Encanto or uh, Moana, and we Don't watched talk him, about Bruno. In fact, we watched a little bit of Moana today, and he's to the age where things actually scare him now. So. <laughs> So, because like you know, you're a little kid, you don't understand anything. Right. But he's getting to the age where things scare him. So when the crab goes like into the ultraviolet colors and starts to go after Shiny! Moana, yeah, exactly, starts to go after Moana, he freaked. That's he was like hilarious. just crying and was, and I was like, okay, <laughs> that is enough. So as every parent does, we switched over to a nice episode of Bluey, calmed him down, and then we had dinner. So well, the good thing about Encanto is like nothing happens. So. Yeah, yeah, not a lot of real scary Nothing things. happens. It's a great movie, though. I won't hear any Encanto slander. It's like three and a half out of five. Because nothing no. literally happened. A lot like, happens. If you did a live action, you would greet the entire cast at the house and be like, all right, guys, we're not leaving. <laughs> Look, just because it's contained to one location <laughs> doesn't happens. mean nothing happens. There's no actual, it's just like, 
Ooh, we love each other now. So Listen, hey, if we want to, if we want to turn this into a Disney movie podcast, I'm on board. But <laughs> I don't think that's what people are listening. Moana is better than Encanto. Okay, I agree. I disagree. Disagree. Oh. Um, both both have solid soundtracks, so I think we can Does both agree there. Does Encanto have the rock? Uh, no, I no. My case. But uh, they do have. It does have Stephanie Beatriz, who is just fantastic. Uh, Rosa from Brooklyn Nine Nine, for those unaware. I was shocked. Yeah, you ever hear her non her non Brooklyn Nine Nine voice, and you're just like, which one is real? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, yeah. No, I hadn't. I'm a big Brooklyn Nine Nine fan. Yeah. But. Yeah. The first time I saw an interview with her after she does her non Rosa voice, which I guess would be her, you know her real voice, uh, just blew my mind. I thought she was faking it. The I'm learning time. right now that the Brooklyn Nine Nine isn't her real voice, and that Encanto yeah. was actually her real. Voice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's bizarre. Like, go watch an interview with her, and she can just – where she slips into the Rosa voice, it's bizarre. Uh, so if you are still listening to our podcast at this point, <laughs> you're probably realizing we're not terribly worried about Northwestern. Uh, they only had one guy in double figures when let's, we played them. Let's caveat that. We're not worried about Northwestern. We're worried about Purdue. <laughs> Ex- well, yes. Yes, exactly. Uh, Boo Booey was the only guy in double figures. He had Great 17. Yes, What's better, Boo Booey or Fats? Fats Russell. Fats Russell. I, I think Boo Booey, because it's more fun to say. Ah, uh, yeah, but like, there's like a old school mobster vibe to they, Fats yes. Russell. That's... Yeah, Fats Russell sounds like he would be in an Italian restaurant wearing a bowler hat and would have like a Tommy gun in his pocket, right. dunking like on his... Al Capone. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So all great names. Um, but this is a game that Purdue should win if Purdue plays like they should and mm-hmm. like they're capable of. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hope this time off. You know, between games gives them that. But, I mean, they do play Wednesday. They just played Sunday. I mean, if you're Painter, do you give them two days off? Or do you say, we're giving Monday off completely. Tuesday, we're going light. It's going to be just prep. You know, Monday, maybe you'll come in, watch film only. Uh, but, I mean, they, they just – they don't have it right now, uh, and they need to find it again. Yeah, I don't know what their travel schedule is. I don't know if they leave Wednesday early or Tuesday yeah, well, night. It, I, I would think – you know, they might even leave Wednesday uh, because it's so close. If they fly, I could definitely see that happening. I, I believe it's a bus ride. If it's a bus ride, they probably leave Tuesday. Would be my guess. I don't. We don't ask our kids to be on a bus for three and a half hours before game time, do we? Oh yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. Because <laughs> if so, I think I know why we struggle on the road some. Yeah, well, that's. Fair. I'm gonna assume they go up Tuesday night, so you can't really give them the whole day off. But you definitely give them Monday off. You got to start installing stuff. You know, we've got there have been issues with our offense. We need to add some some gadgets and gimmicks and some different stuff. So I, it, the Big Ten schedule is too short. You can't you can't really take games off of the way that you would like to. Uh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I just Googled West Lafayette to Evanston. Uh, it's two hours, 19 minutes via I, I-65. You are. Yes. At 830 but, at yeah, night. That's it. Traffic. I, I was, we'll get exactly. you there. I was going to say, I was going to caveat, I'm doing this at 8.39 p.m. on a Sunday, so you got to keep that in mind. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure what their travel plans were, but I'm sure Painter will give them the time off they need. You know, he's done this before, and we he's just got to find what is going to work for this team to get their legs back. Yeah, we need uh, – it's definitely one of those where you want to kind of shake it off, restart over. Um, but at the same time, we're getting real close to the end here, and you you can't take Northwestern for granted. Uh, Purdue needs these next two games. They they probably can't drop another one in the Big Ten. No, would not if they want to win. Yeah. I And it's taken some liberties to think Illinois is going to lose one more. But from what we've seen, you know, the whole 
There's never a dominant team in college basketball, so you can lose on any night. But yeah, this Northwestern is a team we saw that does not challenge us physically. That's a good sign. Um, honestly, we won by 20 at home, and the game was never that close. Well, and again, it's important to point out that we did not have Jaden Ivey that game. True. Yeah, I think this is this will be a good test to see us replay a team that we should beat. So if we all the red flags will be raised if we struggle against Northwestern because yeah. they shouldn't. They should not challenge us in any way. We we watched a team, like you said, we didn't have our best player, and we won by 20 easy. Yeah. Yeah, so. and it would have been more. So uh, I, we, we took the foot off the gas there at the end. Um, one thing I'll quibble with, you did say you, you're you not sure if Illinois is going to lose another game, uh, but I would just point out their next three games, or I'm sorry, next four games, they got to go to Rutgers, which uh, – Apparently is a very hard place to play in this Rutgers team. Rutgers is a good is, team. Is I've better been watch- than we thought because we've been rooting for them to win their last, right, you know, right. like three games. You watch them play; they are huge. They are big and they're tough. And I like their big point guard. And Geo Baker's back now. Yeah. Uh, hey, where was this? Is- where was this insight when I asked you about uh, Rutgers uh, when we played them the first time? That's a good question. They were yeah. garbage then. Yeah, that's true. That's it's fair. Um, so I don't know. They got healthy. They got people and yeah, I, and they still have a baffling, like they lost to Minnesota and Maryland back to back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're playing great basketball and then they're playing terrible basketball. So let's hope they beat Michigan state, Ohio state and Wisconsin on the road in three straight games. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a tough stretch right there. So now they're going to go Illinois, Purdue, Michigan, Wisconsin, Indiana. It doesn't get any easier. Ooh. Um, so, I mean, here's, here's Illinois next four games at Rutgers at Michigan state home against Ohio State, and then they got to go to Michigan. So that's a hard four games. They close out the season two at home, Penn State and Iowa. So I would expect them to lose one of those games. It, I mean, you can't guarantee it, so you're right there. But, man, uh, that's, a, that's a hard four-game stretch. Would you rather have that, or would you rather go to Michigan State, go to Wisconsin, and host Indiana? I'd rather that, I so, think. Yeah. So, you would I mean, rather have Purdue schedule. Yeah. I mean, it's not easy for either team, but – I would rather have Purdue. So uh, it's going to be a tough stretch down here. You know, we've got, what, five five Big Ten games left, and the conference is still up for grabs. It's going to be a, an exciting finish. Um, and like you pointed out about uh, a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, that game March 5th at home against Indiana could be a deciding mm-hmm. factor as to who wins the conference. And if so, that's going to be one hell of an atmosphere. So, uh, I mean, we do need a little help. We need somebody to beat Illinois. Uh, we've done our part by beating them twice, but at this point, uh, we've got to be rooting for everyone else to to take Illinois down a peg. So, uh, Casey, anything else about this Northwestern team or about what Purdue can do to get their minds right? I at some point we need we were playing really well when Eric Hunter started playing well with yeah. the ball in his hand, and I just can't help but think the last two games is that man we just need one more guy who can be a live ball handler and to create stuff. And Hunter's our only option. We can't pick up a transfer this late in the season. Yeah, yeah. There's, so there's no there's no getting somebody out of retirement like you can in the NFL. So right now, I mean, that's what we need to you know rock at all cylinders. But we need that to go with our role players, our shooters on the outside. Mason Gillis needs to start making shots again. Yeah. Because if he's not, then all of a sudden the spacing shrinks down even more, which is what we've seen. And you know he's down to 45 percent from three. I think. Isaiah Thompson, we rail on him a lot. I rail on him a whole yeah, lot. Yeah, I was going to say, don't don't lump me in with you here. He made a mid-range jumper today, which yeah, goes it was a nice along, little look. 
with his floater he made three games ago. He doesn't do anything else on the basketball court. He got roasted on defense. Roasted. I, I thought you were about to compliment him the way you started no. the sentence. I wanted oh, I to really sound thought, nicer. I really, I really thought you were going to say, you know, we rip on him a lot, but I, you, we it rip on really him a lot, felt like but were, he deserved it. Ouch. Just, he doesn't do anything. I don't want, he is out there. And I don't, I'm starting to get a little, I don't understand what Matt Painter is doing with our rotation at the time. Um, I don't know why Morton's not playing more, which is just kind of me repeating the things we said all season. Right. But it's starting to get alarming that usually our best minutes in the first half is either our starters are in or Morton's on the floor. And then he just goes away from Morton in the second half. And I don't, I don't understand it. Well, I mean, we, we've still got five Big Ten games to try to figure this out, but you you would hope that they would have a little more fleshed out at this point in the season. So uh, it's it's getting dicey out there, you know. Uh, like you said, we're still only a four-loss team. We're still we've still got a lot of big wins on our uh, resume, but when you have two games back to back like Purdue does, Purdue did against Michigan and Maryland. You start to have questions, and you you wonder, is the team I saw earlier in the year and the team that we saw against Illinois in the second half the real team, or is the team we saw against Michigan and Maryland the team we're going to see going forward? And I think what we do against this Northwestern team is going to give us a lot of answers. Yeah, these next two games, two games that we should win. Um, and, yeah, we need, we need to go to Northwestern and look like our old team, the team from the first 20, you know, four games of the season. Right, yeah. Uh, I thought, you know, I just, it's just weird playing these two games where it just it doesn't look like the basketball you're used to. Like, let me ask you, what do you think Sasha shot from three this game against Maryland? Oh, uh, I know he hit, uh, what, about four, maybe like four of ten? It felt like that, right? Yeah. He was five of nine. Oh, well, I mean, that was not like bad. He played really well, but when you watched the game, it didn't seem like a very good Sasha game. And in theory, I, I mean, he, he's he, the had only one... real good, he had a real good stretch there. Right. It just feels like we can't get to the looks we want, and when we do get to the looks we want right now, we're just missing them. So hopefully water finds level, yeah. I guess. We, yeah, I mean, there's a there's a reason our team is is one of the best three-point shooting teams in the nation, and you have to assume that's going to come back. We were 8-20. of 20. In theory, we shot 40% that game. Well, that's not in theory. That's that's a fact. <laughs> in theory. <laughs> I don't think you know what that means. Yeah. Uh, Gillis is 0 of 7 the last two games, three-point shots. Yeah, that's uh, not ideal. And they've been open, open, yeah. open. Yeah, he's open, he's open, open looks. Open, open, open. Make them, please. Yeah, I mean, Purdue, they've, they've got everything to, in their heads. They've shown it on the court. It's just a matter of finding themselves and putting it back together. And, and I believe that this team can do that. And hopefully games at Northwestern and home against Rutgers, maybe they'll want a little revenge against Rutgers and we can kind of, you know, get back into it. Uh, that's what I'm hoping. That's going to be a tough game. They got yeah. Joe Baker. Uh, they got big dudes. We don't have big dudes on the perimeter. <sighs> yeah. Uh, Northwestern first. Hopefully we can come yep. back to you later this week. Happy. That's right. There you go. So uh, for Casey and myself, thank you for listening. Make sure to rate, review, hammer that subscribe button. Tell us what you want to hear about. Tell us what you don't like. Just let us know, folks. Love talking to you. Have a good night. Let's watch that Super Bowl, all right? Sweet James. Oh, that was adorable. Why don't you tuck him in, too? <laughs> Thank you.